Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters John Stevens, Nick Flynn, Jamie Ramsey, Sue Johnson, Steve Hartley, Jazz Hundell, Phantom Brewing Company, Dolphin Brewery, Bayonet Brewing Co, The Paper Mill Micropub, Doug Thayer, Robert Baker, Aid Bardi, Berkshire Beer Box and The Small Batch Brewing Co. So I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Tom from Liquid Light Brew Co based in Nottingham. Liquid Light was founded by Tom in 2017 with a focus on combining his love for beer and music. Initially brewing on a nano kit in his garden shed, Tom progressed to cuckoo brewing at Magpie Brewing for a while before establishing his own brewery and tap room in June 2021 in the Snainton suburb of Nottingham. Tom, please introduce yourself and tell me about your beer journey, which led you to launching Liquid Light Brew Coat. Thanks, Rob. I'm Tom Stone. I've started Liquid Light as uh, Rob's just summing up in my shed a few years ago now basically started getting really into beer pretty much as you know as soon as I was old enough to drink did you get away with it yeah (laughs) yeah basically (laughs) you know having such good local real ale breweries like Hassle Rock and stuff uh, absolutely yep it was very easy to find good beer and and I had the Stratford Haven was my little local I used to spend a lot of time in there okay and we start yeah started on um Kind of their harvest pale was my go-to for so many years, especially mm-hmm. with one over the eight cards. You used to be able to get well, at one point you could get five pints for a tenner, and you'd come wow. out with a every couple of nights in the pub, you'd come out with a free pint. Every eight pints you got a free one. So it was uh <laughs> <laughs> how times have changed. They certainly have, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was like my introduction to kind of real ale and mm-hmm. They were talking about the hops and, yep. and a bit about the beer, and they, was, they were using American hops, and that kind of got me quite interested in in what goes into a beer. So I started looking for more hoppy beers. Yep. Uh, soon came across Hopback Summer Lightning. That was yep. my that was my next level up of flavor. You know, bit more hoppy. Still, still talking very bright beers back then, but um, delicious pale ale. Would always have that when I could get hold of it, and then. Um, after that, Jaipur. Yeah, I mean, sure. Thornbridge. Everyone knows the legendary Jaipur. It was absolutely formative in my uh, early drinking career. If you right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huge, huge amount of flavour, and 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 just yeah, couldn't get enough of it once I discovered that. I, by that point, I probably would have called myself a bit of a hophead, a bit of an enthusiast. Yeah. Sure. And um, finally, my sister and my brother-in-law, who were both in the industry. Took me to Brewdog Nottingham when it opened. I'm like, okay. oh, Tom, I've got to try these beers. These are really good. Mm-hmm. And um, any idea what year that was, Tom? Off the top of my head, I'd struggle. It wasn't long after it opened. So if you look online, it, I imagine it, that was that was one of the earlier Brewdogs, I think, wasn't it? It I'm was. Just, yeah. yeah, it was one of the first ones. Uh-huh. So it was pretty early doors. Yeah. And I tried a punk IPA and sure. uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely blew my mind. I was like, yep. all night, I was like, no, you sh- you're telling me there's no fruit in here. You're 100% telling me that. Is <laughs> Love it. And um, which I still get from like friends and family who aren't quite as into the Absolutely. beer. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They're like, so what fruit have you put in yeah, this? Yeah. How, how much like, mango did you <laughs> sneak in there when we weren't looking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, from, from the moment of Punk IPA, I was hooked. I was like, right, I think this is what I want to do. Okay. 
and um, yeah, started learning about how it was all made. Mm-hmm. So how did you, what was your brewing journey then? I actually started, I mean, I was really, really into beer at the time, but a, a friend of mine, I was working on a farm and uh, in, a, in a workshop, um, just doing joinery and um, right. a friend of mine that owned, whose family owned the farm, they had a couple of cider apple trees and we don't know what variety they are, but they were like proper heritage variety. They did right. really nice. So they'd always, they wouldn't get used for anything else. No. So we've got a little fruit press and we've got some fermenting buckets and some yeast, took a bit of advice and everyone, he was just orchestrating it. And then everyone kind of flaked out on getting and learning about it. So I started reading about the science and stuff like that. Cause I'm quite okay. equal part scientific and creative. It's like kind of my, my idea of things. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so I started reading books about cider making and listening to podcasts and stuff. So we made our first ciders, and then that's when I thought, "Wow, it's actually not that hard to make alcohol." When you've <laughs> no, a dangerous uh, discovery that was, wasn't it? Yeah, quite quite an amazing discovery. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of sanitization and there's a lot of process that goes into cider, but mm-hmm. as far as actually like making it into an alcoholic beverage when you're doing it for your first time it's it's you know it's it's surprising how how straightforward it is well i'm going to say something which will probably annoy the the cider uh enthusiast but it, it definitely is easier to make a half decent cider than it is a half decent pale ale that's for sure isn't it i think there's there's less steps we'll put it mm. that way I, I don't think you know i do think there's an art to it i think oh no question yeah real art to blending and knowing your pHs and yeast mm-hmm. blends, whether you're going with a natural ferment or not, yeah, it, there there is an absolute art to it. And I didn't do it for long, so I don't claim to be an expert at all. I just, mm-hmm. you know, very much a home cider maker. And yeah, that just kind of taught me a little bit about fermentation and okay. and sanitization and things like that. So yep. then I was just instantly hooked on the idea and I was like, you know what? I much prefer beer. I wonder how much harder it is. <laughs> so I just as I tend to do with things, I get a bit of hyper fixated on things and okay. yep. um, absolutely absorb myself in home brewing. Read loads of books, listened to loads of podcasts, mm-hmm. tons and tons of podcasts. I was doing just doing um, carpentry at the time. So there was days where I'd just be on just sanding wood all day or like using a mortar. Right. Yeah. You had the time to, to be able to really absorb a lot of content. Yeah. Which is Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I'd have my headphones on with my, my big ear defenders on top. So I just couldn't hear anything. I was just no. completely absorbed in the world of brewing. And, um, and did you, yes. did you invest in a, a grandfather or similar or, or were you sort of more a make do in terms of kit? No, that kind of stuff wasn't quite as common. I think the, um, Grainfather wasn't around yet. The all-in-one systems weren't quite as prevalent, and it was yeah, they were just they were quite expensive. So, my first port of call was just got myself a big thirty-liter stock pot, nice thick bottom. Bought a propane burner off the internet and started just doing. I kind of skipped kits. I wasn't that interested, and I'd already listened to quite a lot of podcasts by that point. I knew quite a lot about recipe development and things like that. I I bought my own dry malt extract, so I was still doing extract to start with. Right. And I was like steeping specialty grains and trying to get my own flavors and my own take on it in there and then choosing my own hops and my own yeast. Because nice. that's where I got the kick out of it, you know, is really for me, the creative side, the recipe oh, development yeah. Yeah. is a huge draw. And that mm. was where I wanted to really focus. So, yeah, I started with that, doing a few extract steep grain kind of things. I think my first one was around a, like a 6% Simcoe single hopped IPA brewed with... The first batch I used Bry 97 yeast, okay. which took off like a rocket and I had no temperature control. So it got, 
got a bit hot, a little bit spicy, yeah. uh, that one. Uh, that was my very first brew. Cool. So the next brew, I repeated the same process, but I used USO5 instead. And from right. then, I was just like, oh, yeah, no, I can make, not only can I make beer, I can make beer that I actually really want to drink. Nice, so yeah. Really, wow, really pleased with that. And as I mentioned, I've got, you know, my family and, and a few friends in the business. So by mm. that point, my friend Will and my friends Will and Jago started Wildcard Brewery. Oh, of course. And so, yeah, I love those guys. And they're, they're so talented and they're mm. really inspirational, like when I started. And I went down there and I was carpenter at the time. So I built their first bar in their first town. Oh, room. terrific. So, you know, it was like I was very, yeah, I was a little bit involved and I'd go down and see them progress every time I'd visit. And yep. it's just like. Oh, there's more tanks. Oh, no, now you're in a new building. Oh, you've done yeah. this. Yeah, you know, is, there just... is a path to building a, a successful brewery. Yeah, it's nice, Absolutely, nice to yeah. see somebody actually that you know achieving that. Absolutely, yeah. It was hugely inspirational, very cool. And 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 obviously, you know, I had someone I could, whose brains I could pick. Sure. Um, equally, my uh, my sister, Marianne, and her husband, Florian, He uh, they're down in Bristol, which is absolutely fantastic, their city. Yeah, um, no question, yeah. Yeah, no question. It's absolutely amazing. So he was working for, well, uh, uh, Marianne was working in pubs. She was managing pubs at the time. And Florian was working for Bristol Beer Factory for a lot right. of time, doing a lot of recipe development and, and brewing there. He eventually moved on to Tylee's, which is uh, which is where he is now. And that's a, a little, little brew pub out near Stroud. And um, they're quite, well, you know, very good reputation for real ale and traditional styles. He's done sure. some pretty... Yeah interesting collabs he's worked with left-handed giant and nice. Dea. he brewed a, brewed a bitter with Dea. they they were that's awesome orion's brains on how to how to brew a, a, a traditional <laughs> best bitter so Brilliant. Uh, yeah really quite nice uh reputation he's got he's very good friends with jen and johnny who run mills that was where johnny started and that's where johnny was producing all the work for, for oh wow Nice. Time. So there's a little connection there. So yeah, I've just been kind of surrounded by people in, in the in the industry. Yeah. And it's been very inspirational and like I bet it has, yeah. what yeah. people can do with it and all the different types of, of brewing styles there as yep. well. Yeah, that's a good span of the the great and the good of English craft beer or English beer in total, not just craft beer. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, there's there's all the name dropping out of the way anyway. But, um, <laughs> yeah, there no, it's it's it is really nice, really mm. nice having these people I can call up, pick the brains. Mm. Even just you know when we do get the time to see them, obviously been a bit difficult over the last few years. But yeah, uh, yeah just hang out, have a few nice beers, and mm. appreciate each other's work. And and it's yeah, it's 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 good, it's good fun. It's nice little camaraderie. Absolutely. So talk to me about Liquid Light then. So you started to brew in your back garden that was the commercial start to the business was it or uh to the business yeah so to my yeah. brewing career i actually so after i'd brewed this cider and then started getting into brewing my first few batches of uh, homebrew i was yeah. absolutely hooked and decided it was what i wanted to do as okay. a career. no formal training i had a degree in english language and journalism which has sat dormant in my brain for a long time and uh, the tasting notes, perhaps. And... Well, yeah, that's it. I've got. I'm all right with words. I can do a few, you know, can botch out a few things when I need to. Sales spiels, you know. Yep. I did the first few home brews, and and then I was just asking around, basically everyone, all the brewers in Nottingham, just like you know, has anyone? Could I get some experience? Can I come a volunteer and just do some production like, experience? Volunteer, yeah. I'll do anything. I'll mm-hmm. wash casks. I'll, you know, clean clean vessels. And um, I got chatting to Rob Witt at Totally Brewed. At the f- I think it was his first festival at the castle. 
Okay. Uh, a Robin Hood beer festival back when it was at the castle and um, he just won they did all the awards there back then and um, he just won regional gold for his IPA for Hotman of the Apocalypse so I got talking to him and bless him he had like completely lost his voice he'd been talking to everyone all weekend he was just completely <laughs> out and I was just like really excited about his beers I tried a few got to try Captain Hot Beard which was like a New Zealand hopped pale which is still one of my favourite beers right absolutely really exciting to have something like that and this was before black iris were in nottingham and right it was before neon raptor it oh. existed you know so it was like it would it totally with like the first really exciting flavorsome kind of thing that i would call you know close to you know craft craft beer at that yeah. time yeah so i was pestering him i was like please you know let me come volunteer let mm-hmm. me come work for you you know whatever i'll do whatever yeah anyway so come January, he was actually looking for someone full time. So yep. I applied for that and managed to get that. And that's how I got my start. And I was there cool. for two and a half years, learned a okay. lot with Rob and saw the brewery grow and tre- t- like trends change in the industry. You know, it was very cask driven when I first started there. Yes. And then by the time we left, we were kegging. And then not long after I left, they were canning. So it was right. like, because yeah. especially in Nottingham, which is a very trad heavy city. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, it was quite a while before you could do a keg batch and really like a keg only batch of beer mm. and sell it all in keg, you know. So we were always like splitting batches into tanks. Right. Yep. Yeah, it made it quite hard to to really push that modern fizzy craft style. <laughs> um, but and yeah, we just gradually started brewing more and more modern stuff at Totally Brewed. And I kind of got yeah, I got to about two and a half years in and was, you know, I'd learned a lot and really felt like it was time to move on and I wasn't you know wasn't really getting the opportunity to do much recipe development there that no. was no. what I was as mentioned earlier which is what I was most passionate yeah, about, real passion yeah which is you know it's completely understandable because you know when you when you own the business as I now know you know you've got you've got to make all those decisions and so it, I, I wanted a little bit more freedom so that was when I just bought a house in Snenton and set up my little shed ran out some power to it and <laughs> Got my little fermentation fridge and a little yep. stainless steel table and some big stainless steel pots from from Germany. Wanted to do a three vessel kit. The single vessel kits were around then, but um, I really wanted a three vessel kit because I wanted it to be closer to a production kit. Right. For, and I would inevitably upscale these recipes. I wanted yes. to get similar profiles. Obviously, it was never going to be exactly the same, but at least right. the process was similar. Efficiencies are similar. Flavor profiles are similar. You know. Yep. So that was what I was aiming for. So I was brewing about 60, 70 litres at a time in the shed. Right. Yep. No one tells you that it takes the same amount of time to brew that amount as it does. 600 uh, or even 6,000 litres. So uh, the only thing that slows you down the bigger you get is how how fast you pump it. Pump the transfers, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was a bit of a grind there for a while and just brewing smaller batches, experimental stuff and, and getting it in bottle. Were you still working at, at Totally at that time when you were? No, you know, I quit fully to okay. do it full time straight off the bat. Yeah, it was a yeah a little bit risky, but it eventually paid off. But we yeah we're just kind of brewing really tiny batches and hand bottling on the kitchen right. table until midnight, hand labeling, you know, mm-hmm. capping all the that labor stuff. of love. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, and that's how we got started selling our beers to places like Hopology, which has sadly just announced that it's closing. Hopology. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. 
Yeah, fantastic little beer shop that was. Very yeah. sad. Yeah, and places like Brew Cavern in town, Craftworks, yeah. a lot of the craft beer places. Some of the pubs, you know, I'd, I'd, I knew a lot of the landlords back then. Of course, you would have done, yeah. yeah. At that point, I'd learned, you know, through Totally Brewed. And yeah. so a lot of them were stocking us. And then we had our first tap takeover, which was very exciting. I bet. Yeah. Still brewing in the shed. Hadn't done the cuckoo brew yet. No. We were fully nano brewery at the time. We did a tap takeover at uh, the Keen's Head, which was Oh, wow. Yeah. Absolutely uh, legendary Nottingham venue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. It's always yeah. some of the best tap takeovers. Uh, yeah. You're, I bet that was a great thrill for you. You'd really arrived in your, you know, in your own right to, to, to yeah, do it, that. Yeah. It was, yeah. I was very proud of that moment, mm. I have to say. And we launched quite a few beers that night. I mean, uh, our Pink Moon, which became kind of a flagship for us, our four percent raspberry wheat beer, less dangerous. So, like, kind of session New England, into the void. Our coffee porter. I think mm -hmm. we had a few one-off specials. There might have been a dipper in there, and yeah. we did our freak out watermelon Berliner Weiss for the first time. Okay, and I believe at the time, and I don't, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but um, I believe at the time that was the first not sour brewed in Nottingham. Oh, okay. Interesting. I don't think anyone else had released. No. A point and obviously the stakes were a little bit lower for me being on a little 60 70 litre kit yes so. that's right i mean you know worst case scenario if it was terrible you've not <laughs> yeah that's it worst case scenario you chuck it out and buy a new kit you know it really is worst case yeah yeah that's i mean that's really worst case but um yeah like i, I you know I, had, I was quite lucky that i had that flexibility at the time mm. And yeah, so that was that was really exciting, fantastic night, and it was around then that I started looking at places to cuckoo brew. And let's um let's just put a pin in that for a second, Tom. Talk about oh, this really? first beer before oh, we yes, get to cuckoo brew because I'm cracking into this. Uh, we're not playing games here either this evening because this is entertainers. Your nine point two percent dipper. You must know how to curry favour with me as a podcast host by sending me a, a dipper for the first beer of the evening. So I'm very happy <laughs> with that. Tasty notes I have say this juicy hot bomb has a huge double dry hop of El Dorado, Citra and Motueka and is fermented with London Ale 3 to give it a super juicy aroma and flavour. I'm an absolute dipper fiend, to be honest with you. It, it, to, it, to my mind, is the king of beer styles. I will accept no argument on the subject. <laughs> um, this is a lovely example. Gorgeous colour to it. Just a real nice, more of a tropical um, aroma than a, than a citrus aroma, I would say, but but really nice punchy fruit aroma. Lovely flavour, lovely depth to it. Um, really fresh tasting and yeah just just really appreciate this so uh, thanks very much what's the background here tom so i kind of built up to doing i haven't done that many dippers mm -hmm. it's often been difficult for me especially when we were cuckoo brewing the kit wasn't kind of how set up how i'd like it and it wasn't really designed for those kind of beers i was brewing on a, a, lot, a lot of traditional kind of style kits sure. and, mm -hmm. um, it was making it, it would make it did make it quite hard to hit the hopping levels of uh, you need for a dipper, you yeah. know, especially hot side. So I've, I've done a handful of small batches, but I wanted to build up one. When we hit, we're in on first start in our new brewery, I was like, right, I'm going to do one now. I'm yep. going to build up to it. And once I know, once I'm happy, I know the kit inside out and I know the kind of levels of hopping I can get away with and the, everything about it, then I'll get, I'll get cracking with it. So it's the last in a series. So it's our kind of little nod to Nirvana, who are one of my absolute all time favorite bands. Okay. Yep. And so it's like, the, it's the chorus from Teen Spirit. We had Less Dangerous. Yeah. Actually, the first beer, but it's the second line. So um, uh, with the lights out was our second. So with the lights okay, out, nice. yeah, it's yeah. Less Dangerous. And then we did one called Here We Are Now. Here we are. And now. this is entertainment. This, this yeah. is like the little 
final final one in the series of those and the artwork's all kind of similar and like we, we kind of like tied them in and some some crossover of the hops the malt bills are all very similar mm-hmm. um i think the only thing we've changed throughout time is the yeast because i mean we've just been able to get better and better yeast as we yes. go yeah and obviously hops as well but yeah so this was just kind of like the last in that series and we used i say we in the in the notes we use london ale three it was actually it's a yeast called saturated from whc labs which is mm-hmm. our absolute go-to yeast at the moment right. um but i believe it is it's the london ale three strain just dried and it's the first okay. yep. to get that kind of strain like that dried um, so we've been using that like mad mm. uh, it's really just culminates everything like I've learned over the few years about getting all the flavors I want out of beer and yep. getting those malt bills just spot on. And it definitely fermented a little bit further than I was expecting. Yeah, so nine point two is pushing the bounds of a dipper, but not. It doesn't. It drinks really smoothly, nonetheless. It's not. You know, there's no there's no alcohol burn to it at all. It's, it's you know it's beautiful. It covers it beautifully. I think. Thank you very much. No, I appreciate that. And that's that's definitely what I was going for was, was drinkability. I mean, it's something yeah. I go for in all my beers. Mm-hmm. I do think in craft beer it can be it can be forgotten a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely making, can, yeah. Making the beer drinkable, <laughs> you know. And I like to think, obviously, when you get this strong, this doesn't it doesn't stand, but I like to think you can drink most of my beers in pints, you know. I don't like yeah. like even my sours and stuff, I t- don't tend to make them like enamel strippingly sour because okay. mm-hmm. I like people to be able to enjoy a pint of it in the sun. You know, I, yeah. I like pints. I like drinking pints, I like selling pints. You know, it's, sure. it's it's the preferred way to drink for me, mm-hmm. unless you're at a beer festival, which is entirely fair. Yeah. But I mean, even with some beers, you, you drink a third and you've not even, your palate's not even adjusted. No, you're not, not, not come yeah, to terms like, with it at all. No, I understand the point. Yeah. It, it's unless it's really bold flavors. It, it just doesn't give you, you time to really in, uh, and assess the flavors. And no, and experience the beer properly so i like people to be able to drink pints so yeah drinkability is really important to me and and i wanted it to drink more like a six seven percent ipa yeah. than a eight nine percent dipper and feel like we hit that pretty well i would say you did yeah yeah definitely thank you yeah no it's all about a very very steady fermentation and just being very gentle with it and yeah picture plenty of yeast and yeah i'm uh i'm very proud of it and i, I do think we'll either brew it or a similar style again yep Maybe something with a little different, few different hops and stuff, but I always like to mess with the hops. Yes. But, um, and also it depends what you can get your hands on at the time. It's no, very, very, very pleased with what we've achieved with this beer. And uh, yeah, fermented a little bit more than I expected, as I said. Yep. And, um, you know, it was aiming for kind of high eights, really. And yep. it, yeah, went a little bit over, but thankfully didn't didn't get too boozy, as you've said. So um, back to the, uh, to the story then. So Cuckoo Brewing was something that, you know, obviously is a, a logical next step for you to, to be able to, to up the production output a bit. So how did that come about? So I was asking around again, asking around as I was at the beginning, trying to get the experience. I was asking around to see if anyone had spare capacity. So we ended up getting in touch with the guys at Magpie, Gavin, mm-hmm. uh, Katrina were running it and very you know long-standing local brewery and to be honest i hadn't thought to ask them because i just figured right. that you know they've been going so long they'd have tied up all their capacity but it, as it turned out they'd had this little uh secondhand tank installed that was not getting used all yeah. that much they were originally planning on doing some lagers in some small yeah. batch lagers i say small batch you know we're talking 950 liters knocking yeah. on a thousand liters at the time so small for them massive for me um so yeah i went went from went from the 60 liter to 900 odd liter Mm. and their kit was quite interesting because it's got had various levels of electric elements in it so that you could 
various volumes, you know, it had everything from 12 kilo, I think it was 12 kilowatt, 15 kilowatt and an 18 kilowatt at the time. Nice. Uh, maybe in two twelves, but it meant that you can brew, you know, you could brew smaller volumes and yeah. not scorch the wort and not overboil it and not pick up too much color. So it was quite nice to have that flexibility. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, started brewing some of our core stuff there and then, and then kept brewing in the shed. There was a bit of time where there was an overlap and then right. <laughs> more and more I did in the shed, the more annoyed I got with the small amount of beer. That yeah, I can imagine the effort. amount of effort required. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I gradually put that to bed and yeah, working at Magpie it really allowed us. And it was at that point where I kind of realized that we had the audience to, to maybe look at opening a, a brewery and tap room. Um, right. And we, you know, we might be supported in that way that we'd need to do that, which has always obviously been the lifelong dream. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, adult lifelong dream, should I say? Since <laughs> I, I, I knew it was an option. It was kind of weird where like the world felt like it was ending and we were kind of planning our next your, big move. Your global domination, you know, at least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Midlands domination. That's it. Like, yeah, we'll take over while the world's down on its knees um but yeah it was it it took a lot longer than expected we were yeah doing all the legwork that it took to set up the place you know licensing leases and and insurances and everything but um yeah we took on a lease on a unit and to be fair like it took me a long time because we after that to, to actually stop looking for to let signs outside units because it had been so many years of, <laughs> oh that place would make a great room. Well, yeah oh, hang on a second i've already got one i can stop looking now yeah and yeah it really did it took me a good six <laughs> months it. to stop to actually train myself to stop looking at to let signs and we'd actually viewed units on the estate that we were on a couple of times in the past and right uh, we're looking at possibly uh taking one on but um, yeah, we got lucky. The timing worked out. And um, what have you got in terms of square feet then, Tom? So it's about three and a half thousand square foot. Okay, uh, nice. Yeah, it's a decent size. Yeah, um, we've definitely not like expanded its full into its full capacity yet. Um, right. We started with just four four FVs and the and the brew kit with a mind right. of just adding FVs every few months, you know. And obviously, times have been a little bit more difficult than we'd hoped for. So we didn't quite get as many FVs in as we'd like. We've got no. one more open but there's plenty of room to grow and there's plenty of room to grow upwards it's a very tall unit that's so, nice yeah um, if needs be we can start looking at getting double length tanks and yes yep. brewing, you know doing double brews into them and stuff so i wanted to be future proof because as a cuckoo brewer we fell through a lot of the cracks with government support during COVID. yeah i can imagine you did that's right yeah you, they, they, yeah we didn't have, you know, they we weren't really the systems weren't set up for for that sort of gray area i'm sure were they no and it's, it is it's a strange gray area business it, it, you know cuckoo brewing is a strange gray area yeah it does confuse a lot of people and like where did you you know how do you deal with duty and things like yeah. that yeah, so we, we didn't get the support we wanted, you know, we would have liked over yeah. COVID. And, um, I mean, you know, luckily we had the web shop and we had uh, the support of Gavin and Katrina at Magpie. And, right. And, you know, it, we were in a good position. We were very lucky. But I think it just kind of alarm bells started ringing that maybe to be more secure, we needed to grow. And yes. so we decided to. And it just got to the point where, we bit the bullet, we got the unit, we got all the kit over, and then we had the nightmare of shipping. So it was just before um the Suez Canal got blocked. Yes. Our ship was well, we were still in China at that point. 
right. my kids still in China. And we literally didn't have the funds to get a container because the container it was a container shortage that was the issue for us. Right. There were so many containers over in the West full of PPE. Yeah. Stuck in ports, not being unloaded to the point where no one was sending empty containers back to China. Um, so the few companies that w- were fabricating, actually fabricating brand new containers, started yeah. absolutely putting the, the prices up. Yeah, charge any any amount of money for them. Yeah. It's, you know, sky high and, and it, you know, supply and demand, what are you going to do? But yeah. yeah, so it was a real shock when we paid all the deposits and everything we thought we needed to. And then the suppliers to, got to in contact with and said, yeah, it's going to be another eight grand. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> yeah, which oh. we really, really didn't have. And we'd had oh. a lot of other, other holdups and extra expenses and solicitors' fees. And we had to, our, our uh, licensing went to a, um, a hearing. So we had to, had to hire a barrister for that. Oh, wow. So uh, we're absolutely on our knees at that point. And yeah. um, so we turned to Crowdfunder. We had a little uh, campaign on there to just try right. and. We only initially target was five grand. We were like, look, we can, I'm sure we can find the rest. But if we could get some of that eight for getting our kit over that extra unforeseen cost, you know, because we're yep. so far in the process by that point, it really was. I, I think the floor was already in and everything. Oh you know, my goodness. Wow. Just, just waiting for the, for the, yeah. to arrive. And there was delay after delay after delay. And then all of a sudden, massive extra bill. So yeah, we called upon. Our, our fans through crowdfunder and it was an unbelievable response um, yeah it, i think we hit our target in the first night nice <laughs> Middled our target in the first 24 hours fantastic and we ended up hitting twenty six thousand. right which just to this day i'll never quite believe that that happened and, and how incredible it was and you right. know, i can't thank our supporters enough and there is a handful out there that still need their experience brew days, but with one thing and another, we've uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes, we're uh, we're yeah we're in the process of getting the last few of those booked in. But yep. um, yeah, so that absolutely saved our asses, really. And you'd be surprised how quickly that disappears as well, because there was other hidden costs that. Oh no, question, yeah. And it just yeah, it was it was no by no means a laughing to the bank kind of situation it all disappeared very quickly but it did get us to where we needed to be and I couldn't have done it without those um, no and you know I've, I've had several guests on this podcast that have, that have run crowdfunders and, and I think sort of the common thread from all of them is it does enable you to identify who your sort of your biggest fans your biggest supporters are amongst your customer base in a way that really builds that you know almost unbreakably strong bond between you and those people so that you know they're now going to be hopefully forever more your your best customers and people that are always going to support everything you do be at the tap room as often as they can and it's just it's lovely to be able to sort of you know i'm not saying that every customer is important of course they are but but it's great to be able to to identify who those people are isn't it so you can take special care of them moving forwards oh absolutely yeah and we've got you know we do have a little inner circle that I call the acolytes, you know, yeah. of, of people that are just are just absolutely hardcore and and would you know hate to see us fail and and, yeah. and just huge fans of every beer we come out we bring out and it's been nice having the tap room because equally while the, the web shop was our kind of first foray into that direct customer sales and gave us that relationship that we'd never had before and that instant feedback and literally turning up to people's doors 
with a brown paper bag full of cans for them. And then, you know, I'll get a message back or they'll say, oh, tell, you know, oh, tell your brewer that this is really, you know, we really love their beers. And like, oh, yeah, that's that's me. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing we're all, yourself. Yeah. We're very, very grassroots, very small. And yeah, it was quite it was quite funny when people realized how much smaller we were than they realized. And um, yeah, it was, it was that nice first kind of foray into face to face with customers and then equally with the, with the crowdfunder and then the tap room itself. It's just been an amazing experience. Just been absolutely fantastic. That face to face with all the people that love it. The silent majority, I call them because they're not, they're not the ones that would be on those apps. And you realize that, and it's like things like pink moon or 4% raspberry wheat beer. One of our lowest rated beers. Yeah. As far as stars out of five, but it is the most rated beer, as in amount of reviews. And, you know, that, because there's so much out, we've put so much of that out, we brew that more than any other beer. Yes. That sways your brewery average, which then, of course, sways it does. Yeah. 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 Whether they're going to seek you out or not and things like that. So it's a broken system, but, um, realizing that we were getting through thousands and thousands of pints of that and people would you know you'd go into a pub that was serving it you'd see one person walk away from the bar with this bright pink beer and then five minutes to ten minutes later you'd see another 10 15 people walking away because they've, they've all pointed at that person going i want what they've got <laughs> and it's yeah. amazing it was you know I've, I've, I've witnessed it multiple times and it is yeah. just such an amazing feeling to see people just being able to spot it a mile off. I mean, I back bet. then it's a lot yeah. easier. It's a lot more difficult now. There's so many fruit beers around. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was amazing being able to spot it a mile off and just see these little, like, you know, grassroots viral marketing campaigns nice, yeah. on pub in one evening. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so having having the tap room has been amazing for that feedback. And it's very, you know, I don't work tap room every weekend, but every right. now and then I'll, I'll, I'll do a shift. And What, you open Friday, Saturday or... Yeah, so it's Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday yep. from 5.30, although we're looking at possibly opening a bit earlier in the afternoon, and then Saturday, 2 till 10, and then nice. Sunday, 2 till 8. It's been fantastic, and it's been a little outlet for me, you know, as a, as a music fan, you've, we've been able to do a load of music, live music. Brilliant. We've got the playlists on, the all our favourite songs on there, we've got a custom yeah custom-built PA system that my dad were, uh, dad built. I was, oh, yeah. when I was doing carpentry, I was doing it with my dad. So he yeah. got stuck in and built us this completely custom PA system. Nice. And the top ends are, uh, are actually the Liquid Light logo. So, oh, brilliant. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you look on our uh, Instagram and stuff, you look back on that, you'll probably see pictures of it. Yeah. And, um, you know, we started mostly with local acts and smaller, smaller bands and stuff. Right. And, a lot of friends, a lot of people, because I used to play on the music scene in Nottingham a lot, and yeah. so, so I made a lot of contacts that way. Terrific, and that's been that's been really exciting. But as we've kind of got more and more known as a venue, and right. still, you know, I would still say pretty DIY. I mean, by no means as a 1970s industrial unit, you know, particularly good yeah. for acoustics. It's uh, <laughs> especially if you're wanting to play punk music or fast, you know, fast and loud doesn't necessarily yeah. work brilliantly in that room. Um, but some of the smaller more quieter like kind of acoustic acts and you know people with lots of harmonies and things like that actually do work very well okay but yeah so we've we've had that and then we a couple of weeks ago we had about a month ago now we had a bit of a last minute surprise secret gig from uh 
Beans on Toast, who oh. uh, good friends with, oh, Mocky D, of course. I can't, how can I forget Mocky D? We were struggling for food vendors all through our first year because of right. COVID. There was ping, people getting pinged. We had a lot of cancellations. So we didn't have yeah. food weekend so ben and claire at mocky d we've known them for years and i've you know met them at a lot of beer festivals and right. stuff in there slinging burgers and we've been there slinging yeah. very much kindred spirit and we've kind of always been kind of friends through that and they got in contact at the beginning of last year around this time last year and, and basically said we don't want to do the festival circuit this year we want a home yeah we want a residency or whatever yeah a residency yeah. how do you feel about having us and fabulous to be honest, for me, it was absolutely match made in heaven. I couldn't believe it when they came to me because yeah. we had them once the the previous year, and it was easily that they're easy, they're the easiest people to work with. Their food right. absolutely fantastic. They've got their own following who come, and then they start to learn a bit about our beer. And That's nice. Food. Yeah, our beer's yeah. vegan, so they can drink whatever they want off the bar. And right. yeah, it, it just works out so well. And um, yeah, Ben's Ben's been there every single weekend. You know, he's had I think he's had two weekends off. That's brilliant. The entire time been open. So all last year, the entire time, as soon as he parked his van up, that was it. So yeah, it's been amazing having that. And equally like myself, but perhaps he's a bit more connected. He's always been a musician and plays in bands. And right, he put us in contact with uh, with Jay Beans on Toast. So he uh, was in Nottingham anyway. He wanted to play a, a little gig, and he'd seen pictures of us online putting on gigs. So brilliant. Super last minute, threw it up, <laughs> pretty big. Place was rammed. Excellent. How many? How many people is rammed? Uh, so our capacity is about 130. Okay. Um, I didn't feel the need to do a head count because I've seen the place close to capacity and I knew we weren't quite there. It okay. must have been about 100 people, Brilliant. which was absolutely fantastic for us. And it was really, you know, it really gave me a bit of confidence because we've been very DIY with our gigs and the PA system is kind of handmade and and has its yeah. foil gradually you know gradually like ironed all that out gradually got it sounding a bit more it's, it's always sounded good but got it yeah. sounding better but and, and mainly being a lot more reliable so we're looking at yeah hoping to push gigs a bit more try and find some more better known acts and, and try and get the odd odd proper show on over the next year or so fantastic see how it goes down and i think a lot of people love the experience of playing in a brewery we put yeah of course they do i think there's definitely a, you know people are predisposed well, you know, acts are predisposed to want to come and play at a brewery if you can you know obviously if it can if it can make sense for them commercially and uh in fact it probably doesn't even need to make sense commercially as long as they have a good time and enjoy the you know enjoy the experience it's uh yeah. absolutely yeah i mean i think that's it I and mean, for a lot of people it is it would be the experience but you know equally we want everyone to get paid and we want everyone yeah. to so yeah we're looking into looking into it a bit more seriously now which is which is quite exciting for me and the other thing I've always wanted to do and I've only done it once is is collaborate on beer with with other band with bands right yeah yeah make them their own beer and um, we did one with Church of the Cosmic Skull right uh, based well they're hard to describe really but they're like a little bit proggy I always say my favourite tagline they used is we put the Abbot in Sabbath and I think that sums them up very well <laughs> um that's brilliant <laughs> that that really is like the best way to describe them so that's that that's what i always refer to yeah they were our kind of first band that we wanted to to do something with and right. um i mean all our stuff all our beers are named after songs or lyrics uh, or albums or even musicians occasionally let's take a short break tom so i'm back with tom from liquid light for the second half of the show tom at this stage every week i like to put the guest on the spot and ask them 
my what I think is my best question, and that is, what makes you different? What is it you're doing at Liquid Light to stand out in the relatively crowded UK craft beer scene? Yeah, it's a very good question, and it is quite it's quite a difficult one. Um, it's a very crowded world out there at the moment, and um, sadly, getting less crowded. That's the month. It is on. slightly, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's not. It's not slightly sad. It's very sad, but it is getting slightly less crowded. Yeah. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, really, really heartbreaking to see a lot of comrades fall fall to the wayside with the state of the world right now. But I think something that we've always done that I wouldn't say is different, but a lot of uh, sometimes gets forgotten with craft beer is sessionability and drinkability. Right. As I mentioned earlier, concentrating on beers that can be drank in pints as as i mentioned yep. and we're very proud i think the beer i'm most proud of right now other than entertainers which we tried earlier yep. um, is probably our ramble on which is our 3.9 percent single hot mosaic pale ale and i just cannot brew enough of it and nice. really, yep. if anything is going to be the beer that makes me start going to double batches it's going to be that one okay great um, it's it's been so unbelievably popular and i'm so proud of it and mm. it's the recipe that i've never touched since the day I think mosaic stands alone brilliantly as a, as a as a single hot pile as well doesn't it it's a fantastic single hot yeah i i toyed toyed with doing citra but obviously it's very very done at this point and mm-hmm. i do often find it a little bit thin as a hot flavor and i do feel like it does need something like mosaic to back it up which right. often works very well but equally yeah the, the mosaic i mean we had a lot of I mean, you know, being completely transparent initially, it came from the idea of the fact that we had a lot of mosaic contracted. Um, <laughs> you know, it's no secret that that's no. the, way, the way things have gone. And sure. um, we had a lot of BBC pellets contracted and I wanted to do something with a, a moderate dry hop. It's not double dry hops. It's one of the very few beers that pails that we do that isn't double dry hops. Yeah. Uh, it's actually quite tame on the hops but it's it just carries that flavor forward and yeah. i'm just so unbelievably proud of it and and it can be drank in pints and that's you know as i said is 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 a real raison d'etre for me is is yes pint beer <laughs> no, absolutely i think that's very fair and you know whilst i i love a dipper and i don't often drink dippers by the pint um i do appreciate you know being able to crack into a few pints of a really good beer and not have to think overthink it you know you can just uh, just just get on with chatting to your mates or doing what you're doing and uh, yeah i'll have another one of those please yeah yeah absolutely well let's we talk about other beers i've moved on to your dime bag um 5.3 percent stout tasting notes say a decadent yet sessionable stout coming back to what you were just saying a complex mm-hmm. malt base of maris otter munich caramel chocolate malt dextrin rye crystal and roast barley is complemented by pecan caramel and cocoa shells cacao shells i suppose i should pronounce that um yeah lovely um you know very uh good representation of the of the dime bar flavor of course which is which is no doubt the intention um yeah really good good flavor some stout it's not it doesn't come up too sweet which is which is nice as well it's you know it's got, it's got those interesting dessert flavors but it's still you know you could imagine drinking a pint or two of this and not feeling like you, you're getting uh getting too much sugar so yeah good another good beer uh tom what's the what's the background here yeah, so as you yeah, as you said, I mean, um, we wanted it to be sweet and we wanted it to be dessert like without being so unbelievably cloying that you couldn't drink a couple of pints of it. Yep. And as much as I absolutely adore a off the wall 14% barrel aged imperial chocolate, <laughs> whatever, you know, they are and they're they're brilliant beers, but I often find them sitting in my cupboard for a long time. And yep thinking oh yes no i must have some friends over so I exactly yeah you can't even imagine opening a door, door, can, you know, can, but on your own no 
Yeah, it's it's funny. It shouldn't be that way, I don't think, all the time. I mean, it's great there is a time and a place for those beers, for sure. But we wanted to do something a bit more desserty without being absolutely off the wall. Right. And, um, yeah, no, I think we hit the balance pretty well. It's been probably our best-selling beer of the, of the last year. Um, mm-hmm. Fastest-selling, fastest you know, other than Ramble On, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm very proud. And a lot of people saying it's the best dark beer we've put out, which is... You know, always very nice to hear. Um, sure, absolutely, yeah. But yeah, just all the flavors that I wanted in there, and perhaps maybe up the pecan a little bit next time. But yeah, pecan's a great flavor, actually, isn't it? I don't know. It's, it's fantastic, good. but yeah. nuts. It's very difficult to get that flavor in beer. Um, I'm sure, without without the oil that that you know usually yes. the thing that carries the flavor. Yeah, absolutely. So you do tend to use the flavorings for that one. Yeah. You know, um, and we use all natural uh, extracts and pecans a little bit more so i've worked with uh hazelnut a lot in the past which i really enjoy as a flavor in in a dark beer so the pecan was a little bit more subtle than i would have liked and i often when you go too hard with those kind of flavorings they can actually thin the beer out it's a very yeah Mm -hmm. um effect that happens and i often find that you end up then wanting it sweeter than it actually is so but equally because we don't use uh because all our beers are vegan we don't use lactose we're Mm -hmm. never going to hit those kind of creamy sweet levels that breweries do which you know is a bit challenging but i've got my ways around it now and i'm I'm quite proud of that and yeah yeah i i I like this beer for that you know it does it does for me what what a a really like lactose laden stout kind of doesn't and it has that drinkability right yeah no i think um what have you got coming up this year then tom uh you know and that can be short term or longer term depending on you know what, what you'd like to share with with us but you know have you got anything you know coming up in the tap room any tap takeovers around about the place any festivals coming up uh, any music events you'd like to to mention yeah i mean to be honest i need i need my calendar in front of me because we oh, have sorry <laughs> we have so much booked it's mad that I, I can't really think of anyone major. i'm happy to um if you want to send me an email i'm happy to put it in the show notes to the podcast so people can just, oh, cool. just scroll down and, and find that so so that it, it relies on you following up with me to do that though but if you'd like to i'm more than happy to do it oh that's oh that'd be fantastic of you. yeah that'd be great um yeah, uh, Joanna has, has helped me with all the tap room events and stuff like that. And we've got a whole load of gigs booked. I think we've got coming up first, I think we've got um, a psychedelic light night where we've got a full analog light show, which I often do by myself. But oh, cool. um, because that's where all our artwork comes from. So that's, yes. that's like my analog projections that I've taken photos of and then whacked them in Photoshop and, and kind of built them into into branding but we've actually got a guest guest perform like guest performance of a you know light show coming in and then the dj uh they're kind of like a big full package dj light show kind of thing so that's in a couple of weeks time i believe in the tap room i think our first gig of the year is damn craters who are a fantastic local band that have been going for quite a while and our friend um kev he used to be in a band called Badman. He's he's recently started drumming for them. So he got right. he got contact. Doomy Psycho Grunge, they describe it as. So it's like yeah. it's kind of psychedelic. It's a little, you know, a few genres in there, um, which is often what I really like to, yeah. to, to listen to myself. And they're being supported by Bodak, who we've had before as well, a little two-piece, kind of very riffy, kind of sludgy, sludgy doom stuff. So sure. we like the heavier music, but yep. um, 
a lot know. of bros do. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. There is a lot of that crossover. But yeah, sadly, there's uh, no one to annoy the neighbours too much. So we don't always have to have No, there's always that, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Dan Craters and Bodak is on the 10th of Feb. That's going to be our first gig of the year. Yeah, so very excited about that. And we've got other bands coming up throughout the year. Uh, a band called FEMA, who had to cancel, sadly, due to uh, illness. Um, we'll have them again. That'll be their second time playing Tap Room. And they're kind of like psychedelic kind of indie rock stuff right um yeah as far as beer events go i mean i'm not one for planning my brewing calendar too far no. in advance i kind of see where the mood takes us and see where stock is and various beers and what we need at the time but right. uh, we will undoubtedly do another do, another double ipa this year possibly yep. a triple ipa i'd like to do some proper beer events in the tap room again we had a fantastic Oktoberfest event nice um, yeah and we'd like to do that kind of thing again. We had what we called the acid test, which was a sour sour beer festival. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Which we had some pretty special beers for that. It was very expensive to put on, which is why yes. on this year's calendar, um, <laughs> hoping <laughs> someone might be a bit better for it. You know, we had some really rare stuff pop up on that. So yeah, we'll be we'll be hoping to try and, and create some a few events like that in the future in the next few months for sure. The best place for people to find those will be your Instagram. Feed or yeah, Instagram, Facebook, all usually the pretty similar feeds. Uh, Facebook, yeah. we always put up an event up for, for our events. And even the website as well, we try to keep up to date. There's an events page on the website. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that should sh- usually have the most up-to-date posters and things on it. Yeah, so, yeah, there's plenty of places to find out what's going on. And I think we're, we're looking at getting listings in, in, in local magazines as well for, like, events like Laughline and things. So. Nice, yeah. And you involved with Nottingham? Beer festival, I guess, and and uh, they still do beer week, do they? Nottingham, I guess. Yeah, and yeah, yeah Nottingham Craft Beer Week. Um, yeah. yeah, no, we're good friends with them. Or Jared, Jared from Left Line is kind of taking a bit more of a back seat on it now, I think. But um, uh, the other guys, Gareth and uh, and people, are, are, are getting still staying stuck in with that. So yeah, we'll be we'll be a we'll always be a fixture at the Nottingham Craft Beer Festival. Being only five less than five minutes walk from our venue, it's yes, seems silly not to. Um, <laughs> And it's a fantastic venue and it's really, a, a, you know, it's a fantastic event and it's only getting better traction. Um, yep. Really like to see that grow this year. Hopefully we'll get a bit more, a few more interesting brewers down and definitely great camaraderie. And, and it's nice to just hang out with people. I think last year we were right next to Wildcard. So nice. got to hang out with my friends and <laughs> see a lot of familiar faces and try a lot of great beer. So yeah, really exciting event that one. Excellent. Where's the best place for people to get their hands on some liquid light beers in Tom? So we have our web shop, liquidlightbrewco.shop. We've, you know, do all our cans are usually on there. We don't have a massive selection of cans at the moment because we don't actually have our own inline canning house, canning right. line. We're looking at getting that, that in-house at some point this year, but you know, it all depends on the way of the world, really. Yeah, so that's the best place to look for 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 purchasing, really. Or if not, ask at your local craft beer shop, and if they don't have us, we'll be more than happy to send them some. Right. Sounds like a good piece of advice to me. Excellent. Then the first of my two wrap-up questions is what I call the shout-out to the little guy. And here I'm asking you to mention one or more local to Nottingham beer businesses that you think are doing a great job promoting independent craft beer, and that could be a pub, a tap room, another brewery, perhaps a bottle shop, even a restaurant or a cafe, but somebody that's specifically doing a great job promoting independent craft beer. Brilliant. I mean, I think um, Cock and Hoop in, in the Lace Market Hotel has done a fantastic job promoting the local scene this year. 
Uh, they've taken a lot of us, but equally every other brewery. And I think, I don't know if they've even had a great deal of out-of-town guests stuff on. Right. Um, it's been it's been really impressive what they've done. And equally, you know, all the Castle Rock pubs have always been very supportive Fabulous, to us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, really nice. Having those big orders from kind of Poppy and Pie and Stratford Haven and, and you know, being able to go in, you know, they're my local haunts, although right. you know, I don't get down that side of town very much. Love those guys. And lastly, King Billy, around the corner from us in, in, in Snenton. Um, yeah. Sorry, guys, I'm going to say it. it's my favourite pub. It is my, <laughs> it is my local now, uh, being that I'm only 10 minutes up the road. Uh, there is a Green King pub between us and there, but we won't. Doesn't count, no. no. That. Moving We're, swiftly on, yeah. Yeah, moving swiftly <laughs> on. That. But yeah, so King Billy, uh, John, John the landlord has been massively supportive to us ever, uh, since we've opened the tap room and he's always buying our cask and, and he supports the local scene in such a fantastic way. And it's just such a great little community boozer mm. uh, with Will from Secret Pizza doing the food, absolutely impeccable vegan and vegetarian options. And, Fabulous. Um, meaty options too and he uses mm-hmm. lots of flour from the windmill and it's a great little venue and they support That's awesome. artists. Yeah. yeah one of my absolute favorite places to hang out when i get the time awesome thank you very much for that yeah. then we are at the wrap-up question tom and here i need to know what would be your ultimate happy hour and there's three parts to this i need to know where you would be who you would be with and what specific beer you would be drinking and wow. the beer the beer doesn't necessarily need to match the venue. So in this fantasy world, you can bring the beer with you if it wouldn't typically be available at the place you've chosen. Excellent. Um, okay, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, venue-wise, it would have to be the King Billy. I know I've just mentioned them, just exploring yep. the virtues of that, but I really do love that place. And, cool. And it's one of my absolute favourite places to hang out. And I think it has been on in there before, but I'll always, whenever anyone asks me what my favourite beer is, I'll say Steady Rolling Man by Dea. Fair enough. Yeah, it's a bit of a go-to answer these days, but very widely available as well these days, which is a good thing. Um, it is a good know, thing. Is. For the longest time, you know, we're we're so far behind with the satisfying the demand for their beer, and now with the yeah. the, the scale of brewery they've got, you know, Steady is is widely available and it's great. It's fantastic, and it's stayed consistent. It's always been well. Every time I have it, it has, and uh, it's always been an absolute mainstay parallel. Yep. You know, and some would argue the best in the country. Um, yep. Absolutely adore that beer and will always snap it up when I can get it. Um, but, you know, and yeah, there are more out there beers and interesting beers that I like. But, well, you know me, I like a pint. And it's I like the best pint. I think you could definitely argue a very strong case for it being the best pintable beer in, in Britain. I think that, you know, I would agree. And I think, yes, and I think that's the, that's where my, my passion lies. And it just goes back to sinking those eight pints of uh, Harvest Pale in the Stratford Haven, <laughs> trying to get you trying to get your last one for free. You know? it's like, that's, <laughs> that's what it comes back to for me. Genius marketing that was, wasn't it, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you only yeah. went out for three, but you ended up buying seven so you could get the eighth one free, yeah? Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'll just always love sitting in a, in a, in a, pint with, in a pub with a good pub company having a pint and gonna, can i press you on who would be uh, your who, so, good company yeah yeah i think for, that's a hard i think that's quite a hard one i think for me it would it would probably be all my favorite brewers so yep um all my friends in the industry just having a proper natter about beer so you know you'd have will and jager from from wild card mm-hmm. my sister my brother-in-law brian from northern monk i know i know him from back in the day as well nice. you know a few people i've met along the way 
just all hanging out having a good natter about beer because I think with COVID and everything it has been harder to get out there and 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 you know go to all these different beer yeah for an industry that that's so sociable and relies so much on that personal contact you know it was it was tough times wasn't it absolutely and and even with you know since we've opened the brewery in the tap room you know in in quite difficult times you know I've had I've been a bit stuck at home base you know quite a lot and yeah missed that beer festival experience of like really getting into the nitty-gritty and talking beer and talking brewing and and you know having a chat with those people about stuff so it's uh yeah I've kind of missed that and I'd like to see a bit more of that this year so I think that probably uh sums up my my favorite my perfect happy hour definitely sounds like fun to me Tom, this has been fun. Really enjoyed chatting with you. Uh, really appreciated your beers. Definitely need to to get over and see you next time I'm up your way. I, I'm overdue for a trip to Nottingham. I was coming up there quite a bit um, two or three years ago with with the company that I was working for, and I've changed jobs now, so I don't get to Nottingham as often as I'd like. But I will try and get up there at some point this year, and I'll uh, I'll let you know when I'm in the area and uh, drop by and have a beer with you in person. Yeah, please do. That'd be fantastic. I'd love to show you the tap room. Mm, fantastic. Until then, I wish you every success. It's got, I think you're going to have a big 2023. It sounds like you're poised for great things. So, uh, so <laughs> I look forward to, to watching, watching your progress with interest. Excellent. Well, thank you very much.